end of their vacation right here this morning, but we have a missionary to Thailand with us, so he was able to be with us and excited to hear what the Lord's using them for there in Thailand. But we're going to open in a word of prayer this morning, and uh, Brother Travis, if you would open us in prayer, please. Amen. If you're able to, I'd like to ask you to stand and join me at hymn number 350 today. 350 in our hymn books. Are you washed in the blood? Number 350.
345 in our hymn books today, A New Name and Glory. I hope that's true for you today. The name's been written in the Lamb's Book of Life, 345.
second while that's heating up, I want to say thank you. Thank you all for your prayers. That is the biggest need every missionary needs is your prayers. And I want to thank you so much for praying for us. Uh, we had a great need for it there in Thailand. Uh, but every missionary does. It's not easy being in a foreign culture, a foreign environment, especially when people really never totally accept you. Uh, you always be that foreigner, as they say in Thai Pharaoh. And sometimes they can say it really nastily. So. <laughs> but uh, it's like that in every culture. But one thing we really covet, and thank you so much for your prayers. Thank you so much for praying for us. Uh, four years ago, we had the accident with two of our children with the beautiful Lord. We know people in the States were praying for us. Because we feel Finally, understand. I understand now the phrase "peace uh, that passes all understanding." I always thought, well, that means I'm saved, going to heaven. That's a great peace, but that helps to the peace God gives when you go through trials such as that. And I wish everyone could feel the peace, but I wish you could feel it without going through trials. But you know, that's one thing about grace. We have the grace for the situation and then and thank God that grace is ever there. Because we still need it. So we still cover your prayers, but covering that. Coming back here is quite a lot of precious memories. Uh, last time we were here the kids played in the playground a lot. And uh and running all around and it was a lot of fun. So it's great memories. Please continue to pray for us. Uh, we did have bad news yesterday. Uh, Khan, you'll see it in the video. <coughs> I'll fix that in a second. But uh, he died yesterday. Uh, he's our oldest church member. He's the one who prayed for the Baptist church and died. God sent us there. Uh, so he passed away yesterday. Uh, and, uh, so pray for his family. So the video is uh, a 
know a lot about the ministry. We've been in Thailand since 2000, 17 years. We've been at Life Baptist Church 11 years now. Uh, started Life Baptist Church or Kriya Baptist Pongsawam in, in the Thai language uh, 11 years ago. And it's been growing. And right now around 40 people every service. So I'll go ahead and show the video real quick. Jesus. 
says, Our oldest church member had prayed for a Baptist church and the Lord sent us. We are so thankful for how the Lord has allowed our church to grow. Very good time. 
We have been able to get the Burmese pets to become free for them several times a year. The parents come and listen attentively, but so far, none of God's sake. Pray for us to know how to reach them. A couple of years ago, two Filipino Christians began attending our church. We felt led to begin having an English service to try to reach the Filipino co-workers. Many attended faithfully for a while. A brother and sister who came to town as English teachers were saved. They had grown up Catholic, and God brought them here to learn a free gift of salvation. Pray for us to reach more international people who come here for jobs. Hi everyone, I'm EJ from the Philippines, but I'm currently working in Thailand. Um, I am one of the church members at the Life Baptist Church here in Thailand, headed by Pastor Richard Gay and his family. Uh, I got saved two years ago together with my sister Elaine. Uh, we would like to thank you all for helping and supporting our church here in Thailand. Uh, thank you so much. I hope uh, the Lord will continue to bless your good hearts. God bless you all. testimony in the blue shirt at the end. Uh, he's my deacon now. We joined him last year to be our, my deacon. He's uh, preaching in my place while I'm here in, uh, not Thailand, not uh, America. Where am I at? <laughs> uh, and uh, 
So be praying for him. He's a uh, nervous kind of person, uh, worried about doing everything right and all. But he's doing pretty good. So you all pray for him. Uh, not the uh, former gang member. Uh, everyone tells me I, I got to remember to say former. It is true. The former gang member, not. He married my daughter, Elizabeth. And uh, last June, and they're doing the children's ministry and taking care of the kids. Uh, God's really changed him. He first came to church. He's one of those teenagers that come in, you're saying, oh, no, why? Uh, that, this is not a good influence on the rest of the teens. Uh, uh, why is he here? No. Uh, actually, we tried to discourage him at first, but, you know, he kept coming. At first, he sat in the back of the church, and he moved up a few pews. He moved up, moved up. By the end, he was at the front of the church listening intently, and he got saved. And the Lord just really changed him. Uh, he's been growing leaps and bounds in the Lord, and I really, it's been a joy watching him grow in the Lord. Uh, you keep praying for him. Uh, he does have an eye problem uh, that doctors say eventually he might go blind. Uh, but uh, that's the reason why he got in the games, because his family never got him proper glasses, and he just couldn't see in school, so everyone called him stupid. Careful how you treat kids. I mean, when you say stuff like that, it sticks with them, and it really affects their life. You can see that in his life. He had a, a death wish. He wished he'd die. Uh, but when he got saved, he now wishes everyone could know the Lord. So we thank God for not. He's doing great. And he has great faith. I mean, and proper faith. Uh, when Matthew got married, uh, he moved to Bangkok. And uh, Matthew was my piano player, not looked at the piano. He'd always wanted to try to play piano, musical instruments, but his family and friends always discouraged him and everything. But he looked at it and said, you know what? If God wants me to be able to play, I'll be able to play. So he sits down and started playing. And we never missed a service without a piano player. I mean, he just sat down and could play it. God really blessed him. And that's what faith is. Faith isn't saying, looking and saying, well, if God wants me to do it, he'll make me be able to do it. No. Faith is saying, God wants me to do it. I can do it. Start doing it. And as we're working, God blesses. That's biblical faith. Faith doesn't say, well, I'll wait until I get a show. Uh, faith says, I'm going out. I'm going to do it. And as I'm doing it, I know God's in it. And God will bless. And that's what true faith is. And not has that type of faith. And I thank God for that. He's been a very good piano player, uh, doing real good and learning, growing the Lord. And I thank God for that. Uh, things that I'd like y'all pray about going forward. We've been there at Light Baptist Church 11 years now. And we're still renting property. And uh, we're on a year-to-year -year contract with the property. Uh, we'd love to be able to purchase either that land or different land. Uh, so y'all be praying for us about that. Uh, it's a good need. I'd hate to see one day we could just wake up and the owner say, hey, get out, and we have to get out. So uh, that's the situation we're in right now. I don't think it'll happen, but no one knows tomorrow except for the Lord. So we'd be praying with us about it, okay? And praying for the kids. If you notice in the video, a lot of the, a lot of the church is kids. We're mostly kids right now. 
And when they get saved, most of those kids you saw in the video are saved now. And they go to public school. The public school teaches Buddhism. Now, the Thai government says they can't force people to be Buddhist. But the Thai teachers look down on the kids, make fun of the kids until the kids break down and say, okay, well, they'll do the ceremonies with them. But then they come to church crying sometimes and upset, saying, does God still love me? Yeah, God still loves you. And it's hard on those little kids. I mean, 9, 10-year-olds, they can't really stand up to the adults. I mean, that's just not proper. So we'd love to be able to see a good Christian school there in Doc. So pray for us about that and how God would want us to do that and going forward. So just pray about it. Pray about it. Doc is a city that's growing leaps and bounds. We're at the intersection of two Asian highways, one going from Mongolia down to Malaysia, the other one going from Vietnam all the way to Israel. And so it's a city that's right in the right spot to grow rapidly. And we get a good school there, or a good established church there, and it grows as that city grows. It's a real blessing to be there. So you be praying for us there in Doc. Pray for the church. Pray for Lung Tan's family, the older man, the, him going on to be the Lord. That's my prayer warrior. So I need some more people to sign up being prayer warriors. Y'all going to pray for us? <laughs> pray hard. All right. Every time I went to see, uh, Tan had a stroke last year. So he'd been bedridden for quite a while now. So he, actually he's doing better off now. Him, Josiah, and Sarah are talking it up and having a good old time together. And, uh, but he was always my prayer warrior. And he'd pray for us, pray for the church. Every time I go see him, he couldn't read anymore. So I took, went there and read the Bible to him in Thai. And uh, he loved that. And, uh, but he'd start praying, praying up a storm. Some of his kids would see that and say, man, he's really praying. He really loves the Lord, even though he's having a hard time. And uh, one of his sons says, you know what? I started reading to him, too, and I'm reading the Bible at home. So you pray. Seeds have been sown there. You pray for his family to get saved and uh, to know the Lord. Uh, other things to pray about there in Doc, the government, pray for the government. Right now, we technically don't have a government officially. It's the military junk, uh, coup happened a couple of years ago. Military is still in control. Uh, They're supposed to install a constitution last year, but the uh, king died, the old king died. And so they said, let's put off another year, uh, the morning for a whole year. And see, October, I don't know which day in October, uh, everyone quit wearing black. <laughs> They've been wearing black and white the whole year. Uh, so we come to America and we wear a collar now. <laughs> So it's a lot of fun. But pray for the government. It can go any direction, any way. Just pray that the ability to witness will still be there in Thailand going forward and that that will change. They have gotten harder and harder on missionary requirements. So you be praying. Just pray. God can keep the door open. So you all keep praying for the door to stay open there in Thailand. And then we'll be able to keep being there, being a light a witness there in Thailand. And just pray for the Thai people to get a burden for their own people. Uh, as I said in the video, we teach in a welfare school. A welfare, 
welfare school is a school in each province that uh, kids in the poor areas that don't have good schools or if the parents are afraid the kids might get uh, caught up in human trafficking. It's very big there in Thailand, uh, human trafficking. So they send them to the welfare schools to live at the school. In Dock, the one near our city, it's about 900 to 1,000 kids are in that school. Uh, and uh, right after the accident, God opened it up, and we now have a Sunday service every Sunday there at the school which is a real blessing. We've had anywhere from 72 kids down to 10 kids. We're averaging right around 20 kids every service. So, and the kids are getting saved there at the school, and they're leading other kids. They're bringing other kids in, and they're getting saved. While we've been here in the States, uh, the one kid's gotten saved there at the school, and an adult's gotten saved there at the church. That's what every missionary looks for the church growing without the missionary doing it. And we need more prayer, prayer for the ties to be more interested in doing more of the work, you know. One of the kids came up to Chris before he came back and said, my hometown doesn't have a church. Uh, so that's a great need. We need more people to go out in more areas and start churches. So you be praying about that and pray uh, God to send more ties to do the work there and uh, how God will want to use you. We'd love to have people come over. Short-term missions is a great thing. Uh, think about it. Uh, we've only had one person visit us in 17 years. My sister finally came in, uh, for Elizabeth's last wedding, so that's the only visit we've ever had from the States. So, yeah. Pray to see with the Lord. Uh, we've got one church promise to come uh, next year, so that's a blessing. So y'all think about it. Uh, it's a good opportunity. We pre we do uh, Christmas services, well, not service, programs in the schools every Christmas uh, to tell about what the true meaning of Christmas is. It's a good opportunity to witness, and it's been somewhat effective. The kids oftentimes don't want to pay attention. They roughhouse, but... You know, God's word says that send out the word and God will always have it do a work. He'll never come back void. And that's the truth. Uh, you never know. Uh, one of the ladies who saw the silhouette of her in the video, uh, she, when she met when she was little, she met a uh, missionary was in her hometown and the seeds planted then never left her. She always thought about missions, thought about God, thought about the plan of salvation, but never got saved until she was an adult. And so uh, you never know. The seeds are planted here and there. They'll grow, and uh, God will bless. So y'all keep praying for us there in Doc Thailand, and pray for the people of Doc Thailand to know the Lord and to grow in the Lord, and pray to God just to bind Satan the reason why gospel message is slow growing in Thailand is because Satan is fighting mightily. And he's had control of that region for many, many generations. So we need to be praying specifically, God, just to bind Satan, cast him out, let the light of the glorious gospel shine in their hearts that they might be saved, as it says there in 2 Corinthians. So you need to be praying specifically, God let the light shine in their hearts. 
that they can understand. And so we praying for us. Pray for us to have new ideals, new ways of getting the message out and things to do. Pray for us to have wisdom. I'm not a very smart person. Uh, so I need lots and lots of prayer, you know. And God called me, the, me a missionary in Thailand, and I said, God, I almost got kicked out of college because my English scores were so low. I mean, how am I going to learn a foreign language? Well, the verse in the video is, it says it all. Faithful is he that calleth you who also would do it. I'm not doing the work. My family's not doing the work. God is doing a work through our family. And that's the way it works. No individual does the work. No one church does the work. God has a plan. And his implant involves all of us working together, praying for one another, doing what we can to get the gospel message out. So y'all keep praying and uh, seeing what God will have you to do. And uh, pray for me to have wisdom and understanding. And this morning I'm going to be talking, uh, preaching out of the book of John, chapter 13, verse 35. John 13:35. It's kind of interesting. Uh, uh, it got mentioned this morning. Uh, the main message, the point of the message is the, the morning also, the love. Love is the key ingredient for God is love. You know, First John says it all. God is love. Anytime we're trying to do a work for God, doing something for God, it has to be centered in love. So love is the key ingredient. Why? This verse tells us why. John 13, 35. The word of God says, By this shall all men know. That's the important thing. All men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your precious word. I thank you, Lord, for the work that you want to do in our hearts. And Father, please help us to let your light shine through us and let your love be visible in our lives and help us, Heavenly Father, to walk after you. This verse is the key to the gospel. And we ask you, Lord, to help us to exemplify it. Satan does not want us to get a hold of this truth. He'd rather make us busybodies and not loving. So, Father, please, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you to cast out Satan. Cast him out. Don't let him interfere with the work you're trying to do this morning. By the Holy Spirit, O oh Lord, take this word, plant it deep in our hearts. Let it guide us, strengthen us, change us more and more into your image and help us Heavenly Father glorify you Lord help us to walk with you each and every day it's in Jesus name we do pray amen by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another the key to this verse is that simple four-letter word, love. Love. And, you know, that word is simple, 
But we do we truly understand it? The world says they love one another. But since God is love, the world doesn't even know what love is. And unfortunately, we've accepted the world's definition of love into the church a lot of times. We say, oh, it's a feeling. It's not a feeling. Love is a decision. God decided before he created mankind, he said, I'm going to create man in my own image, but he's going to rebel against me. He's going to turn his back on me. He's spit in my face. He's going to deny me. But I'm going to redeem him. God loved us. He had a decision. Before he created us, he decided, no matter what my creation does, I love them. And I'm going to give my life for them. Love is a decision. It ain't a feeling. Because God, how can you have a feeling for something that you haven't created yet? You know? But before God created this world, he knew what we would do. He sees the beginning and the end all in the same moment. He sees all of time together. And he knew before he created, he knew mankind would say, I want to be my own boss. That's what happened there in the Garden of Eden. God said, eat anything you want but one fruit. The fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Eat anything else, but eat, don't eat that one. You know, this, in this world, there's over 2,000 types of fruit. In Thailand, we got quite a few in our yard. We have mangoes, we have papayas, we have ngot. Uh, what is that in English? I don't know what that is in English. Ngot, rambutan. That's what it is in English, rambutan. Uh, I don't know, no one's ever heard of it, but it's delicious. Uh, we got uh, some, oh, pomelo in English, right? Pomelo in English. We got all kinds of fruit just in our yard. And it's delicious. I love it. But uh, there in the Garden Eden, they had thousands of types of fruit. Probably some fruits that we don't have nowadays because they got destroyed completely. But thousands of fruit. They said, don't eat just one. Don't eat. Man said, hey, I want to make my own decision. I want to decide my own life. I know everything good, but I don't know what evil is. That's the, how God created. God said, created man said, it's good. So I know it good. He, man knew good, but he didn't know evil. So, so he looked at the fruit and said, hey, that'll make me wise. Make me like God. I can be my own boss. Make my own decision. So they ate. Sin is a rejection of God. You know? All sins, rejection of God. God means one who has complete authority. That's the meaning of God. Who has complete authority? Who can decide on our life? And God created us in love because he loved us. He created servants to serve him in love. But we rebel and say, I'm going to be my own boss. I want to make my own decisions in life. Every time we decide our life for ourselves, we're saying, no, God. No, God. I don't want you. I want myself. And that's hate. You know, that's hate. To reject God, reject his plan for our life, 
to reject what he wants us to do is to hate. But to love is God. John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Laying down your life doesn't mean dying for. It encompasses that. But it means to say, hey, put aside your will. Put out your will. Say, hey, I don't want it my way. I want to do it your way. You know, I had a good friend when I was in high school. I did everything with Arnie. Uh, we played ball together. We went swimming together. We did a lot. Went hiking in the woods behind my parents' house together. But in order to be Arnie's friend, Arnie is a very strong-willed person. In order to be friends with him, really, I'd say, I don't want to do it my way. I'm going to do it the way he wants to do it. And I followed after Arnie. And I did things that he liked to do. And I said, hey, he's my best friend. I'm going to do what he wants. That shows love, you know. Putting aside our desires, our wills for someone else. That is what love is. No greater love, uh, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life, put aside his own will, his own desires, lay down his life for his friend. That's the ultimate demonstration of love. And God exemplified that, did he not? He created us, so he had a right for us to live for him. He had a right for us to follow him. He had every right to, to control our lives because we are his creation. You know, I, before I became a missionary, I designed computers. I had uh, computer chips and computers. And if I created a computer and that computer said, I don't want you anymore, get out of my life, I'm going to do it my way. You know what I'd do? I'd destroy that computer. I say, hey, you're not going to be like that. Ugh. I created you. You have to do what I say. But if that computer looked at me and said, hey, I don't want you anymore. I'm going to be my own boss. I'd destroy it because I don't know what it's going to do. You know? Luckily, God didn't think that way, you know? I mean, you said, uh, there's all people all through, ever since the computer came out and robots have come out, people have been worried about robots taking over the world. Why? They know what they would do. You know? Man wants to control his own life. He doesn't want something else to tell him what to do. So when he sees that computer getting uppity like that, he's like, right, let's destroy it, you know? Thank God God didn't do that, you know? He knew we'd be uppity. He knew that we wouldn't be our own boss. He didn't just wipe us out. He could have. Jesus Christ, there in the Garden, uh, Garden of Gethsemane, he saw the cup of man's sin, sin of all man come. From Adam and Eve to the sin that hasn't been committed yet in the future. All sins of all men. He saw it there. He was there in the garden considering Jesus, hey, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, thy will be done. Jesus said, hey, that cup, that's nasty. I, I see Richard's sin there. Oh, that's nasty. I see all the people's sins. That's nasty. I don't want it. I don't want to take it. I don't want to become that sin. But, Lord, not my will. Thy will be done. He laid down his life. He willingly accepted the sin of mankind, became sin for us, 
He that knew no sin became sin for us, that we could obtain the righteousness of God. That's love. He laid down his life. Yeah, he died too. He died. But he put aside what he wanted. He put aside what was comfortable. He put aside everything that was familiar to him and said, I will take upon me the sin of mankind. All that evil. All that ugliness. The man killing 58 people last, week, uh, last Monday. That I'm going to take that sin and I'm going to receive it and I'm going to become that sin and receive the penalty of sin. The wages of sin is death. He died in our place, the death of the cross. The most torturous, agonizing death ever devised. But Jesus Christ willingly accepted it. That's love. And that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's love. We deserve that death. We deserve to die and spend eternity in hell. But he willingly took it in our place. Why? Because he loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is love. God is love. And he demonstrated love by willfully giving up his life in our place. And 1 Corinthians 13, uh, that whole chapter defines the works that happens to someone that has true love. If you have true love, you'll suffer long. You'll be kind. It doesn't envy other people. You're not prideful. Doesn't behave unseemly, doesn't seek self-desires, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. That's a hard one. Don't even think evil thoughts. I want to do this. No, that's an evil thought. Anything, any thought outside of God is evil because God is love. God is good. Jesus, good, the uh, rich ruler came up to Jesus and said, good master. And Jesus said, hey, there's no one good but God. He didn't say he wasn't God. He said, there's no one good but God. So he's saying that good, that, uh, that rich man's just saying, hey, you called me God. Yeah, that's right. He is God. You know, he's good. Therefore, that which is evil is that which is without God. Every thought in our head that's not centered upon God is evil. And someone the true, true God love thinketh no evil. Think about that a minute. That we have true love. Doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love never fails. That is not the definition of love, but that is the works that come out of a person who truly loves. You look at that list. I, I don't measure up. You know, God does. For God is love. You know, God is love. So it's exemplified by God. He suffered for us. He dies for us 
And he lives to give us the free gift. God's word says, not willing that any man should perish, but all come to repentance. God's not willing. Now, there's a lot of different groups out there that says, oh, no, God died for just a few that are going to trust in him. Uh-uh. He took the sins of the whole world. He died for all. He's not willing that anyone perish. Therefore, if anyone perishes, I mean, it means perish in the Bible terms means going to hell. Anyone that goes to hell, it's not because God desired it. Because God does not desire one person to go there. The sad truth is many people will. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. I always wondered about that. Why few? Why is there few people that find it? You know? It's not that it's hidden. The Bible is the most published book in existence. There's no other book that's been printed more often, translated to more languages than the Word of God. And faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Therefore, if it's the most translated book, it's the most published book, it's everywhere around the world, why are there few people that find life? Why? Why is it few? It has to do with love. You know, God has amplified love. Do we exemplify the love? You know, the problem isn't God. The problem is not God, it's us. You know, if we love God, John 14, 21 really puts the nail on the coffin. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Do you love God? We have his commandments. If we have his commandments and we keep it them, then we love God. He that keepeth not his commandments loveth him not. So my question is, do we love God? Are we willing to keep his commandments? He said, go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Do we love God? If we love God, we'll go. When we go to Walmart, go to the grocery store, go anywhere, we'll go and tell them about Jesus Christ. We won't wait for a missionary to go. We won't wait for a pastor to go do it. We won't wait for the deacons to go do it. We will go. Jesus said, hey, you know my disciples because they love one another. Love has to begin with us loving God. If we keep his commandments, we love him. Keeping in the word of God doesn't mean obeying 100% because no one can do it. We're all sinners. For all the sin comes short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We will all sin. We constantly will sin. That's the state of mankind. We are sinners saved by grace. You know? But that word keep means to study, to look upon, to memorize, to know it thoroughly, 
to keep God's commandments saying, hey, I'm going to study this over and over. I'm going to prepare myself every single day so that when I have that opportunity and I can tell someone about Jesus, I can. You know, I hear a lot of people, I, I can't tell anyone. I, I wouldn't know what to say. Yeah, that's not keeping his commandments. We're not studying. The word of God says, study to show yourselves approved. A workman that needeth not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of God. That verse is not for pastors. It's not for preachers. It's not for full-time Christian workers. It's for everyone. God's word's for everyone. Study to show yourself approved. We are to study. If we love God, we'll keep his commandments. Therefore, if we love God, we'll study his word. Do you love God? Are you studying the word of God every day? Or does the Bible, or does the Bible sit on a shelf from Sunday to Sunday? You know? You see, Jesus said, you'll know my disciples not because of a dress coat. Yeah, we dress good. Yeah. No. He didn't say you'll know my disciples because they have many possessions. Yeah, the prosperity gospel. I get sick of that. <laughs> Trust Jesus Christ. You'll have everything. No, you won't. <laughs> Oftentimes you have nothing. But you have great peace. Peace that passes all understanding. See, yeah, it, so Jesus didn't say, you know, my house is by the great possessions now. You won't know them by the miracles. Jesus didn't say, you know them by the great miracles that happen. No. Though I've seen a lot of miracles. I mean, I contracted a typical tuberculosis first time I went to Thailand. I'm a chronic asthmatic with a, and I contracted atypical tuberculosis. I was in a hospital. I had a doctor from the CDC, a lung doctor, and my family doctor there. And all of them said, shook their heads, said, you're not going to make it. And I said, yeah, I am. I was sitting there with a ma my oxygen mask on, breathing, <laughs> filling out the paperwork for my, work, uh, for my passport, for working on prayer cards, and saying, getting ready for deputation. And they looked at me and said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to Thailand. He said, no, you're not going to leave this hospital room. You're going to die. I mean, a healthy person gets a typical tuberculosis, 95% die. 10% live. I'm not healthy. I have asthma. And they said, there's no chance. And I said, faithful is he that calleth you who also do it. He's called me. I'm going. And I'm preparing. Within a week, couldn't find a trace of it in my body. Uh, I think that's a miracle, you know. The doctor came in and said, there's no symptoms. We need to do another scope. Doctors love torture. <laughs> Did you know that? They come up with all these tests not to find out something that's on and on. They want to torture us, and we pay them for it. But they put the tube up my nose, down to my lungs. <sighs> it ain't fun. Twice. And they took the second sample out. The doctor came to the room, scratching his head. I don't understand. I said, what do you not understand? There's nothing there. And I said, they said, oh, the first test must have been wrong. I said, you still have the first Petri dish, right? Yeah, we still have it. What does it say? I looked at it again. It's atypical tuberculosis. It's 100%. What's in this Petri dish? Nothing. The way he said nothing, that means it's void. I mean, everyone has bacteria in their lungs. I'm sorry, we all do. But he said there's nothing there. 
And I said, how do you explain that? I can't explain it. I said, I can. Faithful is he that calleth you who also to do it. Miracles still happen, but the word of God doesn't say, you'll know my disciples by the great miracles in their lives. Yeah, there are miracles. God does many miracles in our life. But that's not what defines a disciple. God's word says you know them by the love they have one to another. It doesn't say the love you have to the people in church. That one another means everyone you meet. It means everyone around. It means when you go into work tomorrow, do you love those people at work? When you're talking to the neighbor, do you love that neighbor? You know my disciples by the love they have one for another. But you know that co-worker is going to die and go to hell. I mean, how many of us have neighbors that don't know the Lord? Their destiny is hell. Can you truly say you love them if you're not willing to talk to them? You know? Right after our accident, my barber's daughter had been coming to church off and on. She really wasn't interested in the gospel. She heard the gospel message at church. She's more interested in my teenage boys than the gospel message, probably. But when she went out to college there in Dock, she rode a motorcycle. And she was leaving the college on that motorcycle. Another motorcycle sideswiped her. Both motorcycles perfectly fine, no damage. But it hit her just right. She died. Did I love her? She never got saved. Yeah, she heard the gospel message in church. But did I take the time to talk to her personally? I said, she's a teenager. She's not listening right now. Excuses. Excuses. But where's the love? I knew she was dying. She had no hope. She was without God in this world. I had the key, the word of God. I could open heaven and let the light of the glorious gospel shine in her heart. And I can say, uh, I'll wait for another convenient moment. And therefore shut heaven. Where's the love? If we truly love our neighbors, love the people around us, if we truly love, if we're God's disciples, and it says that you'll know them by the love they have one to another, we are not going to leave any stone unturned. We're going to tell everyone. We're going to go out and say, hey, they need to know the gospel. They're dying and going to hell. I don't want the blood on my hands. I love them. I want them to go to heaven with me. But we come up with excuses. What happens to our love? Why does our love wax cold? Matthew 24, 12 explains why. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Iniquity, self-will, want it my way, want to do it my time when I's convenient for me, you know? 
I'll witness when I have that opportunity. I'll witness when I feel like it. You'll never feel like it. Devil makes sure of that. You know? Devil's very good at making sure we don't feel like witnessing. You know? And if, he, if you still feel like witnessing, the devil gets you too busy. The second thing that causes our love to wax cold. God said in Revelation 2, 4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. He was talking to the Ephesus church. It's an on-fire church, doing a great work for God. Uh, the uh, history, church history, records how they translated the Bible in many different languages. They wrote many tracts. They sent out missionaries. They were very active in the work for God. But God said, hey, I got one thing against you. Just one. You've left your first love. You've gotten too busy for God. How many times have we gotten too busy for God? Oh, I got up late. I don't have time to read the Bible before going to work this morning. I, I got to get going. Too busy for God. See, the devil can't get you in sin. He'll get you busy. Because in our busyness, we'll forget God. And when we get too busy, I, I, I got to go buy the groceries real quick. I don't have time to talk to that person at the grocery store. I don't have time to be a witness at work. I, I got to get this job done. I got to do this. I got to do that. We get too busy. Two things that make us not loved. Our iniquity and our busyness. Is our love cold? Are we too cold? to reach out this lost, dying world? Are we too cold to do more, to send out more people around the world the gospel? I, I can't go foreign country. I can't do without this and this convenience here in America. Yeah, iniquity. One in it our own way. You know, one thing that amazed me when we went to Thailand, First couple of years in Thailand, we kept thinking, about, oh, we don't have this, we don't have that. 17 years in Thailand, we don't think about what we don't have. We come to the States to think about what we don't have that's there. <laughs> when we're willing to love as God loves, everything is possible. And God changes us. The problem is we get too fearful of that change. I, I don't want to change. And we often tell God no. Simply because we don't love as he loves. My question for you, if Jesus says you'll know my disciples because they love one another, if it is made illegal to be a Christian tomorrow, would there be enough people to say, hey, they love one another, the pure love. They must be Christians. How many people would single you out? He loved me so much, he witnessed to me at work. He knew he might get fired. He knew he might lose position. But he was willingly to tell me the gospel anyway, because he loved me so. How many people could say that about you? I could have got on hate crimes, preaching against sodomy and all those other things, but he loved me so much, he told me the truth 
the word of God. He didn't fear the people prosecuting him. He didn't fear. Could that be said about you? The word of God says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, perfect love casteth out fear. When we love perfectly, there's no fear in witnessing. When we love perfectly, there's no fear because fear is torments. My question, do we truly love? Are we willing to do whatever it takes to get the gospel out? Are we willing to do whatever it takes to help our neighbors, to help our friends, to help people down the street? Or are we going to be at the white throne judgment seat? Yeah, we'll be at the right throne, behind the throne, not in front of it. We're not going to be judged at the white throne judgment seat. We'll be behind it watching. Because God says he destroys everything. The only thing that exists is man, God. In the white throne. But as we're sitting there, how many people we're going to see and we'll know in our heart, I could have reached that one. I could reach that person. If only I loved them a little bit more. If I only got over my fear. If I only could say, hey, I love you. I don't want you to go to hell. Do we truly love? God loves. That's what makes us Christians. Love. How is your love this morning? Are you willing to do whatever you can to reach someone with the gospel message? It might be you sitting here going, what, what's this about giving my life? I don't know that type of love. You might be lost. It would be a good time to come to the Lord. He died in your place. To give you the free gift of eternal life. Only thing you have to do is say, you are the only God. You are my Lord. I accept you and who you are. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. And believe that God, that God is in thy heart, that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. You might be sitting there right now this morning and saying, hey, I don't know that type of love. I'm not willing to give my life for someone else. I don't have that love in me. You don't have that kind of love. You don't have God. If you don't have God, Romans chapter 8 says, if any man have not the spirit of God, he is none of his. You need to get saved. But you might be sitting there saying, yeah, yeah, I understand that kind of love. I know God's love's in my heart. But I'm fearful. Your love's not made perfect. You need to grow. You need to ask God to help you. And be willing. Be not conformed to this world. This world has selfishness, not love. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know the perfect will of God. I don't know God's will. It's because you're not willing God to change you into his image. Accept it. And say, God, Wherever you lead me, I will follow. Whatever you feed me, I will swallow. He just has to keep it down sometimes. Where are you this morning? How much do you love? Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you, Lord, for all that you teach us out of your word. Help us, Heavenly Father, understand what you're saying this morning to our hearts.
Father, if there's anyone right now that cannot honestly say they truly say that you live in them and they have the Holy Spirit and they know what true love is, that it's sacrificial love, it's giving one's life for another. Father, please open the hearts and realize that they're lost and they need you, O oh Lord. For those that are saved, Lord, there's fear is still creeping in. They're, they're afraid to witness, afraid to talk to others, Lord. It's because the love is not made perfect. Help them, Lord, to acknowledge this truth and be willing to come to you and confess that their love is not perfect and ask you to change them into your image. Father, do a great work this morning. We'll give you all the honor and all the glory. We give you all the praise. We thank you, Lord, for all that you do. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. May everyone stand, eyes closed, heads bowed. Before the piano plays, I want to give a word of invitation. If you're not 100% sure, if God's Spirit doesn't live with you, you don't have that sacrificial love in your heart. You're probably lost. I don't know. Only you and God know. God's talking to your heart this morning. You want me to pray for you about that? Please raise your hand. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to say anything. I just want to pray for you. Everyone else, his eyes closed, looking down. You're saying, I'm not completely sure I'm saved. Please raise your hand. I'll pray for you. Uh, that means everyone's saying that we're born-again Christians. But I want to ask you, do you love as God loves? Are you willing to lay down your life, your desires, your dreams, your hopes, to do whatever God wants you to do, to reach the lost at any cost? If you're having a struggle there and your love's not made perfect, raise your hand so I can pray for you. One. Anybody else? Two. Anybody else? Three. Anybody else? Four. Anybody else? Father, I thank you for the people who are honest. Lord, we, you saw the hearts and the hands. You know, Lord, that we're not made perfect in love yet. Fear still holds us back from witnessing quite often. I ask him, Father, to forgive us the sin. Forgive us. And help us, him, Father, to draw close to you, to walk with you and do your will. Do a great work in all of our hearts this morning, Lord. Put on people's hearts, Lord, to humble themselves before you. To come forward and ask forgiveness and receive from you the strength to do all things through Christ, which loveth us. Lord, do a great work in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Go ahead and pray. 388. I mean, sing. <laughs> if you have a need and God spoke to you, please come and do business with the Lord.
much for being here this morning and evening. <laughs> and thank again for all your prayers and your support all these years. And uh, please keep praying for Doc Tylen. Pray for my pastor and his family. His house burned down to the ground last night, uh, Friday night. And pray for Lunton's family. He's gone on the beat of the Lord. He's rejoicing. But we're sad here on earth because we miss them. So you just keep praying for everybody. Thank you. Let's close in prayer. Can we close in prayer? We still got some announcements in our Okay, announcements in our Amen. What a blessing. You may be seated. I have just a couple announcements, but you know, just what a blessing it is to have you with us here, brother, and to put faces, you know, as we put our tithe in and our, our missions giving each week, but to put faces and see what God's doing. Uh, you, you really touched our hearts this morning. We appreciate so much you sharing that with us. Uh, just a couple quick announcements as our missionaries to Thailand will be with us this morning. And then uh, Friday, October the 20th, we're going to have a, a family harvest festival here at the church. It'll be from 6 p.m. to 9.30. Be a lot of food and, and fun and fellowship there. So put that on your calendar and plan on being here. Bring, bring plenty, plenty of friends. Invite folks. It'll be a good opportunity to uh, uh, get them here. And under the sound of the gospel, I believe pastors are going to be uh, have some bags of candy for the kids. But uh, October the 20th. Um, and we have our uh, missionary of the week is Travis and Erlene Harris. We have our deacon of the week, Brother Ed Buchanan. Family of the week is Brian and Sandra Penley. And the trustee of the week is Brother Phil Bousman. Be sure and pray for these folks as we go through your week. If we could have our men come this morning to take up the offering. <laughs> 